0: This project is supported by a charitable donation from Pfizer Limited. Hello, I'm Victoria Derbyshire. I was 46 years old and getting on with my happy life. I didn't feel as though I had a care in the world. And then came breast cancer. This podcast brought to you by the Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity is for those of you who've experienced a moment like that and for everyone in your life that's affected too. Your family, your friends, your work colleagues, the people who are caring for you, who hold you close, the people you lean on. It's a podcast for that moment and for what happens next. This episode is called Breast Cancer and Exercise. And over the course of the next half hour or so, you're going to hear from four women who we will talk to about their own experience of breast cancer and exercise. Hello, ladies.
1: Hi, Hi there. there. Hi. Hi. Hi, everyone. My name's Donna Fraser. I'm a four time Olympian in athletics. I now work in the field of equality, diversity, and inclusion, and I'm just living life.
2: Um, hi everybody, I'm Liz Reardon. I was a consultant breast surgeon when I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 40 and I had a local recurrence uh, when I was 43. And exercise was the one time where I didn't feel like I was a breast cancer patient. Hi there,
3: I'm Lottie Spencer. Uh, I'm undergoing breast cancer treatment right now. Um, I was diagnosed uh, just a few weeks before my 45th birthday last year um, and before that, was working at Spotify. Um, I'm a mum of two, six year old and a nine year old, so a busy life. And uh, yeah, happy to be here today.
0: And you have zoomed in from your radiotherapy session. Oh yes,
3: I did. Yeah, so I zoomed in from my radiotherapy session this morning to be here.
0: Oh, well, we're very, very grateful <laughs> to you for doing that. Sky, hello. Hi, um,
4: I'm Sky Young. I'm 31. I live on the west coast of Scotland in Largs with my husband and our two Huskies. And I'm a residential childcare worker, but I've, uh, I've been off work because I've been uh, undergoing treatment for stage four triple negative breast cancer.
0: So this might be an odd question considering that there is an Olympian amongst us. But what exercise did you do before breast cancer?
1: to go first. Why Victoria? don't you? You're the Olympian, go for it. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, I absolutely, at that time, um, coming out of my fourth Olympic Games, I was diagnosed in 2009 um, in the peak of getting back into training ready for the summer season. Um, so I was 36 years old at the char- time. Um, yes, exercise was my life um it was part and parcel of what i did it was my day job as it were so yes peak performance was was me and um, that's what i was aiming for for the world championships that that year so yes you could say i was into my exercise <laughs> what about you liz So I was a cycling widow. My husband got a bike and I never saw him and I
2: was drag kicking and screaming and I fell in love with it. And I then started doing triathlons because I wanted something that was for me. And I'd just done my first triathlon when I was diagnosed and I suddenly thought, do I have to give this all up while I'm having chemotherapy and radiotherapy?
0: And just remind me what is involved in a triathlon.
2: So that's a swim and then a cycle in a wet onesie and then a run in a
0: hopefully dry onesie. Okay. Sky, what about yourself before you were diagnosed? What, how, how big a part was exercise in your life?
4: Well, exercise has always been quite a big part of my life. Um, before I was diagnosed, I was going to the gym regularly. I'd mainly do like cardio stuff, like um, being on the cross trainer. Um, and I was also doing swimming. And of course, I'd be walking my two dogs with my husband, uh, going on long hikes. So yeah, I've always uh, been active.
0: And what are your huskies called?
4: They're called Cooper and Maya.
0: (laughs) Cooper and Maya. And Lottie, what about yourself?
4: Um, Yeah, I
3: mean, I was pretty active. Um, We'd actually just moved back to the UK from living in Sweden for seven years. So um, I was just sort of getting back into what I could do in the local area. I live near Bushy Park, so doing lots of long walks. i played tennis. Um, I have a brilliant yoga teacher. So I was just sort of generally you know, active and, and fitting things in with my um, work and life, um, as, as a lot of working mums do.
0: Yeah. For those who don't know Bushy Park, for those who are in Rochdale, <laughs> Newcastle, Glasgow and Sk- Sky, where are you talking to us from today? Uh, Larks. OK. Do you know where Bushy Park is? <laughs> No, so it's it's the most incredible park in where would you say, Lottie? Kind of Hampton Court area, Richmond, Teddington. Richmond,
3: Teddington. Yeah, we moved to Teddington, right? um, And that's on sort of one edge, and the Hampton Hampton Court is on the very bottom corner of it. It's a beautiful part part of southwest London. Yeah,
0: yeah, with with loads of space for exercise, dog walking, running, cycling, and loads of wildlife as well. Um, Now. Everyone listening to this knows how exercise is really important. Just because we know it's important doesn't mean we do it. Liz, is it particularly important for those who've had breast cancer? And if it is, why? It really is. And I
2: didn't know this as a surgeon until I was diagnosed myself it was struggling because no, none of my team told me to exercise. I was encouraged by other athletes on Twitter with metastatic cancer who were in the gym exercising regularly can halve your risk of recurrence it's something you can do to take control when we know it can come back with all the treatments we offer it's something you can do and it's really important that you do aerobic exercise and resistant weight training Mm. to keep your bones and your muscles strong but not only that it reduces the side effects of almost every treatment it can help with the mindfulness the fatigue the anxiety the depression it's the best thing I did and it's the one thing patients on Twitter told me to do, to walk for half an hour every day, to do squats on the toilet and press-ups at the kitchen counter. And I swear, it's kept me strong enough to face whatever happened in the future.
0: Mm. Now, and it's
2: free. And it's mm.
0: free, absolutely. I'm aware okay. that you're saying all that and it's it's, you know, it's really brilliant to hear that that kind of uh, statistic and we have sky here who's already told us that she has stage four cancer uh it has spread yeah. it is not curable um sky in ter- when you hear liz saying that what do you think
4: um i think uh, uh what i've been just saying is true mm-hmm. um, i just think i was unlucky that it spread i was diagnosed stage one um at first and i was going for a treatment for that and then it spread before i'd even finished treatment it spread to my sternum so yeah i was just unlucky um i've always been an, an active person and um, during uh, my first rounds of treatment i couldn't be as active because i um my body reacted really badly to the chemo i was on um so yeah at first i wasn't as active as i always have been mm. but yeah i was just unlucky but Yeah, I think it's really good um, if you can exercise while you're going through treatment, then it's really good for you.
0: How have you rationalised the fact that your cancer has spread and you are 31?
4: Yeah, um, obviously at first it was just really hard. Um, I don't think I got out of bed much for about a month after I was told that, Um, but then... I was actually getting out and walking again and going for walks with my dogs and my husband that um, started sort of bringing me out of my head again and um, started making me feel better. So, yeah, definitely exercise has helped me mentally.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk more about the mental side of things as, as our conversation progresses. Lossie, are you managing to do exercise while you are going through treatment?
3: I mean, I'd say it's up and down. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yes, I am. So I found um, a personal trainer who sort of specializes in working with cancer patients. She had ovarian cancer herself um, and, uh, you know, is uh, in the sort of survivorship phase. And so she, um, I meet with her every week and we do the, mostly the sort of resistance training that you mentioned, Liz. Um, And then, uh, I do as much sort of walking as I can. I don't, um, I'm not running again yet. And uh, my tumour was on my left side. So my tennis playing is uh, on pause until I get through um, a few more stages of my treatment. But um, so far, yeah, I've, ma- I've managed to to sort of keep going throughout, even throughout my chemotherapy, which was
0: um, January, February, March this year. So there'll be some people listening to that thinking, how on earth could you do this through chemo? Because <laughs> it's exhausting. You're in bed yeah. for a week, if not longer, yeah. before the next yeah. cycle turns up. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm aware of is I don't want to put pressure on people to no. think, you must exercise because Definitely not. You, we really, do, I mean, you're all shaking your heads. No, we don't want to do that, do we?
1: I think... I-
2: Go ahead. Liz. To, wa- Sorry. to walk for half an hour every day during chemo, is the, and I did it every day apart from that one day where you just know nothing's going to happen. And some days I could only walk 400 metres in half an hour, stopping to cough and spit and vomit. But I got out of bed and I felt I'd earned the right to sit on the sofa. And as you feel better, you do a bit more. But it's realising chemo ages you by 10 years and it does make you feel awful and you are going to get tired. And it's giving yourself a break and just doing what you can.
1: What were you yeah, going to say, Donna?
2: Sorry. No,
1: it's okay. You were quick off the mark than me there.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <Nobody> <laughs> says, was the, says, the, says the sprinter Olympian. <laughs> exactly.
1: You beat an Olympian a <laughs> bad exactly. mark. And no, I mean, everything what, what all those on the call right now are, are saying is absolutely right. I think from my perspective, when I talk about my journey many people think well you're an Olympian it's okay for you and and that's it's not about that it's not about that peak performance it's not about elitism it's about getting moving it's as simple as that and 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 it's been mentioned, that whole mental health, feeling good, releasing those endorphins, whether it's just walking around the block or up and down in your garden, it's moving and and how that makes you feel afterwards. And I was fortunate I didn't go through chemo or radiotherapy. I caught my cancer early enough um, and, and went for a mastectomy. But You know, I can only imagine, you know, how down and exhausted people feel when they're going through this. But just going for a little walk, getting that fresh air can make a whole lot of difference. So whether you're an Olympian or someone who does very little exercise, a couch potato, just getting up and moving is so important.
0: You talked about having a mastectomy, Donna. Um, Have any of you worried or felt anxious about the shape of your body when it comes to doing exercise? I had an
2: implant and I was told to wear a very tight-fitting sports bra and not run for three months because the fear is if you do a lot of aerobic exercise, the implant might, might move up in the envelope and end up underneath your collarbone. Um, but when I went flat with my recurrence, I was very aware of going swimming or getting changed in a changing rooms, And if a kid suddenly saw this topless woman with a scar across the breast,
1: what would they think? And it's not... I wasn't bothered by it, but you worry what other people will think. Mm. You're so right. And as a, as an athlete, we're so body aware and so in tune with our bodies, hence how I found the lump, because I, I was fully aware when something wasn't quite right. But um, after my mastectomy, the first time, I mean, I've had so many different experiences, whether it's injury or being in Olympics in amongst thousands of people, and I'm so used to stripping off, that sounds really odd. <laughs> um, but to go into a bikini shortly after Um, that surgery I was petrified I was so nervous that everyone's going to be staring at me and that I think that was when I realized I am vulnerable whether you're an Olympian or not you know, just that mindset, how, how much of a difference that can make, whether it's negative or positive. Um, and my sister just said to me, Donna, you know what? You're still you. No one's even going to notice. But what I found when I opened up and spoke about it and how I was feeling, that was part of my rehab and just being open about it and, and that journey. And, and not only for me, but educating others of how people may be feeling. And everyone's journey is so, so different. We know that. Um, but I think yeah, everyone has. has has a story to tell but it's embracing it
4: I think because um maybe because I had my mastectomy um during lockdown so I think maybe because I've not been at work and there's not been like gyms open swimming pools open I think I've had the time to kind of get used to it and get seen get used to seeing myself like that Um, so I think that's kind of probably what's helped me um also I think um just personally um my breasts were quite small anyway. So um, I, obviously I'm lopsided now a wee bit, but um, you can't like hugely tell. Mm. So, yeah, but I can, I can see why, um, obviously, um, other, like you would have been sort of self-conscious about it and that. I just think I've had the time to get used to it.
1: That's what makes us unique, Sky. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say the same about the benefit of sort of doing exercise during lockdown, really, is that you can just, doesn't matter what you look like when you do a YouTube video, yoga video, or, you know, I've joined a few um, group lessons with my trainer and, you know, you don't, you have the video on, but nobody really cares. There isn't this sort of, nope. you know, legging envy that's going on anymore. I mean, <laughs> I I only had um, a lumpectomy. So to be honest, you can't even tell that I've had surgery. So I feel very lucky in that regard. Mm. Um, but I definitely have really felt how much easier it's been just to jump online and, and look like a mess, but, but still do something. That yeah.
0: Brilliant. Is there, a, is there a right way to exercise when you've had breast cancer? It's a great
1: question. I remember after my surgery, I, I was given a pamphlet of certain exercises, but I think um, the athlete in me was like, rip that up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is just too easy it's not enough so I'm not saying that everyone should do that mm-hmm. you know don't get me wrong but for me I I knew I know my capabilities I know my limits and you have to be sensible it's like you know if you break your leg you're not going to try and go and run a marathon it, it's taking those small steps and it's what's right for you. You know, everyone knows themselves, and it's great getting the support that we all got um, during our journeys. But at the same time, you've got to be sensible of what's good for you. That you're not going to exhaust yourself, um, but do something. I think that's yeah. the key key message. Yeah,
3: absolutely. and I think.
2: A lot of doctors and oncologists aren't aware of the evidence that exercise is really important and a lot don't exercise ourselves. We don't have time. And if you're told to go walk for half an hour when you are an elite athlete, you're just going to think, what's the point? And there are no trials saying, don't go and run for half an hour. Don't go and do a marathon. And as Donna said, it's trusting your body, but everybody, you can push yourself. It's okay to get hot and sweaty and to hurt. It's normal exercise. Once the stitches are healed, you can basically do anything. Mm.
0: Mm. And you're absolutely Um, adamant, I think, Liz, that exercise should be pushed, pushed, I think that's the right word, by the medical profession when it comes to treating cancer.
2: It should be the fourth treatment. There's evidence to show it can make a massive difference for people sitting on a turbo bike during chemo infusions. And it's from diagnosis. The day you're diagnosed, you've got two or three weeks before surgery, get fit. It will help you cope with everything.
0: Wow, That was
3: almost the first thing I read when, I, you know, you go down that rabbit hole of gathering all the information and somehow that um, point got through to me really quickly. But on your point, Donna, about knowing your limits, that was actually the reason I tried to find a trainer because I was worried that I might not go, you know, ha- how far should I go? Um, I was worried I might go too far, um, you know, if I just followed the same sort of regime that I was doing before. So having someone to sort of guide me who'd also been through it as well, um, and obviously had also done um, all the research on, on the sort of physical benefits of um, uh, t- exercise during treatment itself, um, you know, for me, that that really helped having that sort of guidance I guess as I went through the process
4: yeah I think it's really important just to listen to your body as well Mm, um because when I there's been some chemos I've been on and it's just been terrible and I've just I've been hospitalized all the time and I've not been able to do exercise and when I was like that I was kind of looking at other people doing exercise and thinking why am I not able to do exercise what am I doing wrong kind of thing and then um, there's been other chemos I've been on where I've uh, side effects have been minimal and I've felt okay enough to exercise most days. And I've had people message me saying, oh, how are you able to do this? Um, I've not been able to get out. I feel really bad. And just, I just tell them it's, it's just different for everyone. Yeah. You just have to listen mm-hmm. to your own body. Everyone's going to react differently to different treatments. So just do what and, you can when you can. Yeah. 100%. And you can't compare yourself to
2: anyone else because no. it's individual and there are days you feel great and days you sense sky you just feel awful it's just don't yeah. guilt yourself just one day at a time
1: Absolutely. And I also just to jump in there. I think it's we're talking about during treatment and, and post treatment. I think the message also really important is pre not knowing that yeah. you're you know, no one knows they're going to to be diagnosed with cancer, but the yeah. importance of exercise on a standalone topic this is yeah. it's important i mean i i was told if you know the fact that i was fit through my journey my recovery was pretty quick um after my lumpectomy i was back training a, a week or so later uh, and competing yeah which was nuts i know oh Don't.
2: my gosh so when you <laughs> no, so <it's> not, <laughs> I, I was i was cycling down mountains 2 weeks after my mastectomy because it, breast cancer it's superficial surgery it's just the skin so actually you are fine to go and train again. Yeah,
0: yeah. But that's it, it, that, that. What's interesting, Liz, about the way you describe that is that is a really different. That is a for me. That feels fresh and new in terms of an approach to how to deal with breast cancer surgery. And as we keep saying, and of course we know it's true. Every single one of us here knows it's true. Each one of us is different. But actually, yeah. that could there be more? Uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Could there be more energy, if that's the right? Yeah. Could there be more energy when someone is diagnosed with breast cancer? Do you know what I'm getting at, Liz?
2: Yeah, I think as a breast surgeon, cancer becomes normal because you can tell 10 women a day and you just become blasé. But when you're diagnosed, it does feel like the end of the world for a lot of us. Yeah. And you don't want to make it a really positive thing because you need women to go through that. Oh my God! Hmm. But I think it's saying, for most of us, there is a life ahead. You can keep moving. Let's get fit and active and try and put a positive spin. But you've got to be ready to have it. Hmm. And for women like Sky or those diagnosed with metastatic disease up front, they don't want that energy because to them it's not as good. And it's and everybody
1: feels different. It's so hard. What yeah. do you all think? I I totally agree. I've I've been in contact with so many different women with different stories and. peaks and troughs we all go through peaks and troughs but at different stages Uh, and that this conversation in itself is great because you feed off of each other and it's very much the same thing but you're right you know if if you are feeling low just to hear something what you've just said Liz and that uplifting can make such a difference to someone who is in that that trough period as it were to get them back up to that peak but it's acceptance isn't it it's acceptance that you are going to feel this way. You are going to have down days. There, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to have great days as well. And it's really focusing on... Positive energy as much as possible, and I always use the term positivity is the best medicine. And I, you know, I'm true to that word not only because of my background in sport, because we, you know, that's us. We have to remain positive. You have bad races, you have good races, and it's whether you choose to lay down or keep fighting and moving forward. And my approach was pretty much the same with my, with my cancer journey. So. You're right, everyone is different, but it's respecting everyone is different and just dealing with with them as as unique individuals that we are. Yeah. Looking through a rammed wardrobe but still nothing to wear? Discover how to organise your clothes to give them a new lease of life. Make it easy to put together looks to create the image you want. A simple Marina Rinaldi wardrobe detox video consultation will give you a better understanding of the clothes and colours that suit you best. Welcome to an inspiring, stress-free wardrobe.
0: Sky, can I ask you to paint a picture of you and your husband and your two huskies on a walk, around where you live, and just so we get an insight into what it is you're seeing and experiencing when you go on one of those walks.
4: Yeah, so uh, Largs is it's like a wee seaside town, um, but then out the back of it there's uh, hills as well. It's the Clyde Moorshield Regional Park, which is just like miles and miles of uh, heather Moorland Hills that you can just explore for hours. So we tend to go uh, up the hills. It's nice and quiet up there. The dogs really love it. Um, so um, once you get, uh, I can see the hills out my kitchen window. Once you get like, kind of to the top, you can, yeah, <laughs> um, you can uh, see, you've got a view over the whole town, and view of the Clyde. You've got um, the Isle of Arran as well and Millport and um, you can see over to like Helensburgh and everything so it's just all this like amazing sort of views uh, up there so we just love it um, we're always up the hills.
0: How does it make you feel?
4: Um, um, I always feel um, sort of more myself when I'm up the hills. Um, I grew up in the countryside, I grew up in a country park and my dad was a countryside ranger and him and my mum would take us like me and my siblings like most weekends doing hill walking um so I've always done hill walking and um it really helps me clear my mind a lot and when I'm surrounded by like the beautiful scenery and I'm just with uh, my husband and my dogs and we're having quality time together Mm. it sort of brings me out of my own head if I'm sitting inside I'm just kind of like overthinking things and I just hate being inside like all the time I like I need to get outside and I, I, I need to be like in the countryside and in nature. And um, it really helps me a lot mentally.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the mental side of this, because I am compared to all of you before breast cancer. I did no exercise. The last time I exercised was uh 1986 when I was on the school netball team playing goal attack and I was quite good then but between 1986 and being diagnosed in 2015 I barely did a thing Um, and it was only after starting to take tamoxifen that I went to the gym because I was getting such horrible joint pains I've mentioned it before on this podcast yeah and it really helped me manage the joint pains and at that time I was thinking because I'd got to the end of treatment I was thinking just happened basically and I thought I'm gonna have to go and see a counselor because I can't keep boring my husband and my kids and my friends and actually once I started to go to the gym I felt stronger in my head and I didn't Mm -hmm. in the end I didn't need to go and see a counselor so what is going on there Donna you are the most expert in this but what is going on with when the body feels slightly stronger it means mentally I felt stronger. Please explain this to me.
1: It's all linked with goals. You know, you, you set that first goal of going to the gym. When you start in feeling good that you're maybe lifting a little bit heavier or you're able to go a bit longer on the treadmill, that in itself is an inspiration to yourself. Because if you think about the progress that you would have made to get to that point, that mental state is just, you're buzzing, and then you start getting, I call it the, it's running through your veins, you're addicted, you get get those endorphins going, that you feel, it's that feel-good factor, that you've achieved something, you've gone through this devastating journey, as it were, and then you've set these goals to go to the gym, get a little bit fit, and then you're just hooked it just naturally happens it's those that did mental- not
0: happen to me <laughs> <laughs> I, I i i was never buzzing i was never hooked i what i what, you say that but what, you went again I though, did, but the you? motivation was actually it, it alleviated the joint pain and that felt good so i thought i'm doing fine. something constructive here so that was the motivation for continuing to go
1: absolutely so that's fine and and that may be it it may be something else for someone to meet other people it mm. could be a different environment. It could be the general fitness, which would have been my focus just to stay as fit as I possibly can. But again, everyone is different. Just that general fitness is a step forward to support your journey. Okay. And, you know, just thinking about what Sky is just, we're all coming to visit you, by, by the way. Sky. Sounds amazing. That's, that's okay yeah, with yeah, me. yeah, definitely. <laughs> you, you, you've got me hooked there. Um, just getting out in the fresh air is just so great for anybody, whether you're going through this journey or not. So mm-hmm. uh, I think what you've said, Sky, hit the, the nail
0: on the head there. Lottie, what about the, the mental side of this for you in terms of the exercise you have been able to do? through Treatment.
3: Yeah, I think I think it's it's a mixture of different things. I mean, I do. Um, I feel you know. Sometimes when I've been doing my, my training classes, um, you know, I've I have felt that feeling of you know I've I've managed to do this today. You know, it's only half an hour, once a week. Um, and sometimes when I was actually having chemotherapy, you know, I would then collapse afterwards and you know be in bed for two hours afterwards. But definitely that sense of you know I've got this constant that I'm doing every week at the same time, and it's sort of helping me um, sort of stick to that side of me that I remember as well. Um, I think also having um, a personal trainer who's been through cancer herself, that has actually really helped just having someone to talk to. In the lockdown sort of experience of chemotherapy and cancer, I've not really, you know, haven't been able to visit, you know, Breast Cancer Haven. I haven't been to any groups. Um, You know, I've been on a few websites, but I haven't really got that community. So just being able to talk about it with somebody who's, you know, a few years on from me, but had that experience, I think has helped. Um, But I do, I, I mean, I do, having done a higher level of exercise in the past to what I'm doing now, I do still feel that there's something happening, you know, I don't know if it's to do with, you know, your cells being more oxygenated or something that just gives me that feeling of a bit more normality that, that really helps, you know, connect you with the person that you were before you had breast cancer, really.
2: I think for me, it was about being in control and doing something that didn't involve worrying about breast cancer, whether it was going to come back again. Because when I was riding down mountains or swimming in the Serpentine, I didn't have breast cancer. I was just Liz. And it made me realise that it didn't define me. But for me, again, like Sky, being outside, walking the dog hearing the bird sing, it's just, it's a little bit of hope. Mm. And it just makes me feel calm and realise I'm not Liz, the breast cancer patient, I'm just Liz. Mm. And I'm lucky to have two arms and two legs that work. And if I can keep my body strong, I'll be better able to cope with whatever does happen in When
0: the did you sign up to do Ironman, is it
2: called, Liz? So I did I dreamed of doing an Ironman triathlete when I was 50, which is a ridiculous, it's like a two and a half mile swim and a 112 mile bike ride in a marathon, but I hate running. Sorry, Donna. <laughs> I just don't do running. But I did a year after finishing treatment, I did a half Ironman um, in Staffordshire on the hottest day of the year. And I'd cycled up mountains in Italy and I did the serpentine swim to get the London classics, which is having done the London marathon, the ride 100 and a two mile swim bonkers but like Lottie I had a coach who trained her dad through pancreatic cancer and she knew to control me because I'm a type a person I want to do everything I'm looking at goals and she said no you're just exercising for fun forget how long it takes you and just do it because you enjoy it and take the pressure off this is not a race and that that made all the difference because I was cycling because I wanted to yeah not because a program told me to what is a type a person you know, someone who's quite obsessive and attention to detail, I think right. it's a surgeon in me. I want to do everything. I want to be the best. I have to be perfect. It's like, look, for God's sake, you've had cancer. Give yourself a break.
0: Um, I want to <laughs> you know? uh, Absolutely. You, you, you talked about the, 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 the reoccurrence of breast cancer, or a local reoccurrence, I think you said earlier. Yeah. In this. What does that mean in terms of so, your job?
2: I had a local recurrence of scar tissue um, on my mastectomy scar That I I just thought it was scar tissue. I didn't think it was a recurrence, and it meant that I had to have my surgery, my implant removed, and I had a double dose of radiotherapy to the same area, and that gave me chronic shoulder stiffness in the left arm. So my left arm didn't function properly, which meant I couldn't operate. But psychologically, I don't think I'd have coped with seeing breast cancer patients having had a recurrence myself. Really? Yeah. It was. I went back for a year, and it was really hard telling women they had cancer because I just saw myself. Gosh. And I wanted to be the breast care nurse and I wanted to talk about sex and exercise mm. and how to help, but that wasn't my job. And it was I knew too much and I couldn't I couldn't be a doctor and a patient in Gosh. the same room. So Wow, yeah, that that, hard. that's hard. That's mentally tough, isn't it? Really hard. And you know there are so many ways doctors don't help patients because We tell you how we tell you what's going to happen, but we don't tell you how to cope because we've never been there. And I'm sure like all of you, I found out how to cope through talking to other patients.
0: I mean, you trained your whole life, though, to be a surgeon. Do you not feel any regret that you are not able to do that now because, because of that chronic pain in your shoulder?
2: It's huge. I mean, if I'd have known my last operation was my last operation, I might have remembered it a bit better. Um, But I've now found other ways to help people like Donna by talking and by writing. And I spent all of lockdown talking about sex after breast cancer just to try and help women realise they're not alone. And it's about the life you lead when the doctor says goodbye, which is why exercise can help you feel normal again and shift the tamoxifen weight and just know you're not alone.
0: Mm. Because Sky has... Uh, a different prognosis to all of us. I feel like some of our conversation about exercise and, you know, the benefits and the future and all the rest of it. Sky, I, I feel guilty, if that's the right word. Um, even having the conversation, uh, I don't know how anybody else feels about that. I'm, I'm so grateful we're all here having this conversation and we're all coming from different points of view. But what does anyone else feel that or is that me?
1: Sky is not the first person that I've met and made had good friends with who are going through a similar thing and from from my perspective you know it's so bizarre we've gone we're going through this we've all had our different experiences and you think about the others who are supporting us and how how they support us and what they say and I, I, at one stage, I'm not sure what I should say, you know, it's almost uncomfortable, but at the same time, when you switch that coin a little bit, it, it's just support you know talking like this I'd like to think Sky you know this is helping as well you know seeing different faces maybe not my face but you know what I mean it's it's this is your extended support network and you know if if ever offline you know that we're there that you want to chat and as I said we're coming to visit you I think that's the best that we can do
4: I find like lots of support um on places like Instagram and um not not even everyone with like stage four just like anyone who's just had any stage of breast cancer because um just talking about things connecting with people who are going through similar things and I think in terms of um like talking about the exercise and the future and stuff like even when you're incurable it's still like so much help to be doing exercise and um for like for your mental health for your physical health um to keep you strong during treatment and um, to improve your outlook and keep you positive because like sometimes people sort of say to me, like, sort of how do you do it? And I'm just like, well, I've got two choices. You either, yeah. you either give up or you get up and you keep going. And the exercise is one of the things that keeps me going. And I hope it'll like be something that will um, sort of give me a longer term prognosis and yeah. yeah, keep me going for longer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I hate the fact that we can't cure everybody. And if someone removed this disease overnight and I was out of a job, I'd be really happy. But I, it was a metastatic patient who inspired me to exercise because she she tried to do something positive every day. And I thought by, by cycling, by going to the gym, by walking, I've achieved something. None of us know how long we have, but it's very hard to talk to people like Sky when you almost feel guilty that you don't have metastatic disease. And it's this really weird survivor's guilt. You think, how can I help you when I can't understand? And it could be me. But I think having this open, honest conversation and bringing everyone together is just really helpful for us as well yeah. to learn.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm
2: kind of, because I'm in the middle of it right now. I sort of don't really yeah. know where
3: I am. You know, I don't have the um, the benefit of having it sort of, I suppose, seeming like it's behind me and I'm in in survivorship, you know. Does it
2: seem real yet? Are you still in denial?
3: Um. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, it doesn't feel as real as I thought it would, having had surgery, chemotherapy, and now be having radiotherapy. <laughs> um, I mean, I haven't, my appearance hasn't changed as much as I thought it would, which I'm super grateful for. But on the other hand, you know, I think that's part of it. I don't really feel like I, you know, look like a cancer patient, as it were. And every time I even say the word, breast cancer or refer to myself as a cancer patient. I'm in my head I'm a bit like, really? Are you? What? Um so yeah, I'm in that sort of I'm just trying to get through each step of the treatment. I haven't started the tamoxifen, for example, because mine's HR2 um, positive breast cancer as well. Um, So yeah, I'm just, you know, it is much more of a day-to-day life. You know, I am a big time planner. I plan everything in my life. Um, my husband and I have got plans, you know, out in 10 years into the future. So... Have you? Um, going from that... <laughs> what are you doing in 10 years? <laughs> it's a great
0: spreadsheet. It's oh, what are, spreadsheet no, literally, come. Lottie, what are you doing in 10 years? <laughs> Tell us. I'm desperate to know.
3: <laughs> I think I'll be living abroad somewhere once my kids have gone through a different uh, stage of okay.
0: I don't
2: know. but We're um, all coming for a holiday.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've got We're loads of got our ten years, here, haven't we? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um so yeah I've had to go from like extreme planner to like just be happy that this morning I feel quite good and when I feel good I'm like this is amazing I feel like a normal person I'm gonna go for a walk I'm gonna do this and then the next day I wake up you know feeling like I want to throw up all day long and I'm sort of a lump in my bed crying to myself and you know but I know that that will change maybe even in a few hours and I'll feel a bit better a bit later but it's so much more of a sort of immediate existence than yes I, than I've and ever gi- had. giving up mm. control
0: for a period of time oh, is gosh, really yes. hard yeah. isn't it yeah. look every, look every single one of you have nodded and said yes to that
2: I was trying to tell my surgeon where to put the scar and what stitches to use, so she had to say stop it. I don't, if if I,
3: you know, I can totally imagine when when my son was born, he was born premature and they used to call me consultant paediatrician Spencer because within about two days I was trying to tell the consultants what to do. So I can't imagine what it would be like if I actually was a doctor and I actually was trying to go through this kind of treatment.
0: I always end these podcasts by saying to whoever I'm speaking to at the time, okay, if someone's listening right now and they've just been diagnosed, or they're going through treatment, what would you say to them? What is your own advice from your own perspective?
1: Pause, press that pause button. Um, I think, well, I, I developed an alter ego at that moment. Um, her name's Diane, so she's been with me forever and a day. But um, it's that reflection and not if but maybes you know all those questions that automatically come into your head when when you're going through that it, it's it's a tough one because it's natural we're humans those are the questions that you will naturally ask but it's present pressing that pause button and just look at the bigger picture and then gather that information I think that's the best advice I would give is
0: somebody got a dog I can yeah it's me <laughs> Is it? Is it? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Get them in. Please, please, please. Cooper and Maya, get them on. I need to I see them. Attention. They need uh, a walk, clearly. Oh, my
4: God. It was because the postman was... At uh, 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 the door? <laughs> for of course. <laughs> um, that's oh, scary. my no. gosh. Is that Cooper? Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And I will try to find Maya. Oh.
1: Maya? And, and show us the view while you're at it. Yeah, that's yeah. No. oh look oh, at this, that. Is Maya.
0: So Maya is Maya. Uh, black and golden. Is that impressed. fair enough? And Cooper is a golden um, Cooper, husky.
4: Yeah, he's a golden one, and uh, Maya's black and
0: white. Oh wow! So that's exactly. what I could hear. Oh, how lovely! I'm yeah, so glad it was we've met them. the
4: postman them. was putting letters through the door, <laughs> but
0: were they? But Cooper was barking. Sky, w- w- have they? Have Cooper and Maya been there the whole of for this com- for the whole of the conversation?
4: Yeah, they've just been sleeping. They had their walk this morning, and then they'll get another one um, this afternoon. So they just kind of sleep in between walks usually.
0: They were so. They have been so good. <laughs> anyway, we, me, and Cooper and Maya inter- and the Postman interrupted you. You were going to give your sorry. advice. No, no, no. Don't say sorry at all. It was a lovely interruption. You were going to give your advice to anyone who's listening right now. What would you say?
4: Yeah, I, I was just saying, um, just to give yourself. Time um to just come to terms with your diagnosis and just let yourself feel whatever you're feeling. Um you need to feel like any emotion, good or bad, and um, to be able to let it out and then to move on. And um just really just to take things one day at a time and try not think about like the future too much and the worries and stuff, and just try and stay in the present if you can.
0: Before I move on to Liz and Lottie, in terms of time, you were diagnosed. In what month in 2020, Skye? Well, I was diagnosed
4: stage one in August of 2019 and then I was diagnosed stage four in May of 2020. So it's almost been a year now.
0: Right. In terms of time, you haven't had much time to get used to the diagnosis you've been given. <laughs> no,
4: um it's obviously still something that kind of like I think about every day and sometimes I'm just like, how did this happen sort of thing? Like I still don't understand how it happened. But um you just you do kind of almost get used to it and it just becomes like your kind of your new normal and um it's really hard at first obviously but just with time you just you start to feel better and better and just more like yourself over time. So
0: Yeah, Liz, what would you say to anyone listening right now?
4: I'd say getting breast
2: cancer is not your fault and you're not alone. And time is a great healer, but you won't believe it in the beginning. And it's a chance to take a break and to look after your body, to keep it strong enough to cope with whatever life's going to throw at you. But you will get through this because thousands of women have before you and thousands of women have after you.
3: I think I'd say... Um, you know listen to your body and do what you can just to sort of nurture it through this process you know it's it is up and down it is every day Um, but I think you know you can work with your body through this process even though it feels like it might be under attack or parts of it are under attack Um, you know you are kind of a whole person and I think you know just give yourself a break Um, I found that really difficult but give yourself a break and and do what you can to look after yourself and you know exercise is part of all of that.
0: Ladies thank you so much for being part of this today. Um, Your experiences, your views about exercise, your talking honestly about your emotions. Thank you so so much. I really really appreciate it. Thank you Sky. Thank you Liz. Thank
4: you for having me. Thank
0: you Donna. Thank you Lottie. If you would like any more information about breast cancer and exercise or any of the kind of discussions we've had on this podcast, please do contact the Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity. Please contact me as well, any day or night. Uh, you can message me on Instagram or Twitter. It's at Vic Derbyshire. And any comments or stories or experiences you want to share, then I can talk about them in future podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. And Then Came Breast Cancer is a factory original and six foot six production. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity
3: hopes you found this podcast helpful. We fund awareness, support and research. If you would like to help us do more, please text WE CARE to 7500 to make a £5 donation or visit our website at futuredreams.org.uk forward slash donate. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity will receive 100% of your donation. Text costs your donation plus one standard rate text message, UK only. Always get the bill payer's permission. We would like to contact you on your mobile phone with news and updates. If you would rather opt out, then please add no info to the end of your message. For example, we care, no info. Thank you again for listening.